Hey everybody, it's Mark. Welcome or welcome back to the New Spring Church podcast. Hey, at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel and download our free New Spring app where you can access all of our recent message content. Actually, the app is the easiest way to share all this content with a friend and it's the easiest way to keep up with everything going on around here at New Spring. But most importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Well, good morning, New Spring. So thrilled to be in uh, this church with your pastor and who's my dear, dear friend. We've uh, just really grown closer together in these last few years and seeking the Lord together and what God would have us to do. And he and Mary Alice have been dear, dear friends of ours and I'm grateful for what God is doing through them right here. Uh, Your reputation is all over this country of how God is using you to transform lives and being led by such a godly man. Don't you love your pastor and his family? I sure do love him. Amen. You know, they tell me that uh, one out of every three people in America are incredibly beautiful. One out of three. Pretty remarkable, isn't it? Look, Look at the person on either side of you. And if it's not either one of them, guess who it is? I mean, that's just. (laughs) Well, I do have a word from the Lord today. Uh, I I, I tell you, um, Kathy and I were in that valley and God did um, drill a well in there for us. And I'm gonna tell you a little bit about that today. But I I have a question that I wanna begin with. How many of you uh, live your life sort of like this? You know, God, I really messed up. And Lord, I want you to forgive me for what I've just done. And God, with your help, I have all of the intentions in the world. I'll never do that again. And then a few days later, guess what? You're right back to that same place again, repenting of the same sin, giving God the full word from you that I'll never do that with no intentions. And then a few days later, all of a sudden there that, temptation hits you again, you give in to the temptation again, and you're covered up with all of this guilt, and then you repent, good intentions, failure again, guilt again, all of that, and you're in that vicious cycle of over and over again, and it's been that way for a very long time. You know, good intentions will never break those sin cycles of our life. If you're going to get free from what messes you up, it's gonna, it, it's gonna take a whole lot more than confession, intentions, guilt, confession. It, it, a lot more to it than that. Uh, in Matthew chapter six, in, in that wonderful prayer, he says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Uh, that's what we need, isn't it? Is just deliverance. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13, the Bible says that uh, there is no temptation that comes to you that is not indicative of what everybody else goes through. So may I say to you that you're not unique in in the temptations that you face in your life. You don't have to say, well, nobody understands what I'm going through. Nobody gets where I am. That's not so. Because the Bible says that every one of us face these kinds of temptations. But I love the latter part of that verse when it says, but God is faithful. 
who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able to bear. And then he says, I'm not going to let any temptation overcome you so that I will let you have a way of escape. I'm going to make a way out for you so that you don't get overcome by that temptation. I have a wonderful family. Um, my uh, first grandson was named Michael Cameron. He was named after Cameron Townsend, who was the founder of Wycliffe Bible Translators. He was the apple of my eye. I'm telling you, I love that boy like you would not believe. Uh, he was handsome as he could be. If you don't believe that, uh, just look at his picture here for a minute. Uh, this is his prom picture when he was about 20 years old. A gorgeous guy. Uh, brilliant mind would have graduated uh, the university uh, at 20 years old. Uh, had personality uh, just oozing out of him. He was the apple of his papa's eye. But Cameron was an adrenaline junkie, always had been. He was the only guy I believe that I've ever met in my life that uh, had no fear. And uh, great athlete. Uh, I'll never forget the day that he uh, was a running back uh, on our football team. The very first time that he touched a football as a running back, I want you to see what happened. Very first time. Go camo. Made Papa proud, I can promise you that. The second time that he touched a football as a running back had the same results. He gained nearly 170 yards that day and scored 14 points. He was ranked in the state in wrestling in North Carolina, moved to Arizona, was ranked uh, in the state in Arizona. But Cameron had a temptation. Cameron had a thirst that, in order to hear him say it, couldn't be quenched. Um, that adrenaline junkie, he was a cliff diver as well. Uh, it was amazing to, just to see some of the things that he would engage in. Um, but he started taking drugs when he was 14 years old. And one drug led to another. From one high to another, he said, well, I got high with that. Let me see what this will do for me. And he was always experimenting. I, I, we put him in a rehab center um, just shy of his 21st birthday. And he said, now, Pop... Let me help you understand, if they go to talking to me about a hole in my heart, I'm probably going to leave. He said, I don't have a hole in my heart. I know Jesus as my Savior. Uh, I, I know that he lives his life in me. And, and Pop, don't worry about where I'm going to go. I know I'm going to heaven when I die. Jesus is my Savior. I just want to know why I do what I do. That still rings in my head today. And, 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 and not long after that, three months later, the month of May, my 21-year-old grandson called one of his buddies who brought him what he thought was one thing, and it turned out to be laced with fentanyl. He had been clean for about three months, and when that fentanyl hit his body, 
it took him out immediately and he died in my house in a back bedroom. I got so angry at God. I thought, wow, God, what in the world? I've never asked you, I've never prayed about anything so hard in my life. I finally worked through that anger with God and I said, okay, God, you can be God. And, and, and because your ways, in Isaiah 55, your ways are not my ways and your thoughts are not my thoughts and there's so much beyond me. So I'm just gonna, but you're, you know, God, here's your promise to me. And I, I, I don't know how it's gonna happen, but you said in Romans 8, 28, that all things work together for good to them that love you, to those that are called. And you know, God, I do love you and there's no doubt about my calling. And so God, I'm just gonna wait now and see what you're going to do. And one of the things God's doing across the country right now is using this story to help people in facing their temptation. Every temptation that you face is not just unique to you. He says, I will, God says, I will in the midst of that, provide a way for you so that you don't ever have to be overcome by it. So that as a child of God, I don't have any of you are Christians, I don't have any of you have Jesus living in your heart and your life, but if he does live his life in you, may I say to you, when you come to that place that you say, I couldn't help it, that's not true. That's a lie. You don't, according to the word of God, you don't have to give in. You don't have to be overcome by the temptations that you face in your life. Let, let me give you a few helps, if I may, as we wade through uh, the subject matter of temptation. First of all, if you really wanna be an overcomer, you wanna look for that way of escape, you don't want to be overwhelmed by whatever it is in your life that is tempting you. One of the things that you have to do is, first of all, you have to acknowledge the area of your weakness. Now, if I were to give you a microphone and just have you to stand and testify, well, this is where I am tempted, or this is where I'm tempted. Everybody in here knows the area of your temptation. You know what it is that brings temptation to you into your life. So it's really not that question. We don't have to identify that, we already know. But the real question is, why are you tempted in that area? How are you tempted in that area? What causes that temptation? What brings it about? Matthew chapter 26 and verse 41, the Bible says, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. How many of you know that willpower is simply not enough to overcome temptation? Back in the day before I ever received Christ as my savior, I smoked cigarettes. And I wanna tell you, I must have quit a million times just by trying to muster up willpower to do it. And I found out that willpower was not enough. How many of you have been on a diet know that willpower is not enough to lose weight? Amen, glory to God. <laughs> no, notice what he says here in this passage. He says, watch and pray. What are we to watch for and pray about? We're to watch out for and to pray about the circumstances around our life that produce that temptation, where you might be tempted. You, you understand, you are uniquely made by God and what tempts you may not tempt somebody else. 
some of this stuff may be caused by your DNA, some of it by the way that you were brought up. And, 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 and I'm going to be honest with you, I'm really struggling this morning to getting my mind focused because right when I left my hotel a few minutes ago, Kathy and I were getting ready to get on the elevator and we heard this woman screaming and cursing, uh, vile language like you would not believe. And, and, and I thought, well, she's mad at a coworker. She's upset at somebody else. And it just sounded like she was talking to an adult. And, and, and the elevator opened up and that language was just still coming out. And out walked these three little kids about that high. And that mama was using that vulgar, vile, ungodly. And I'm thinking as I'm coming over to church today, you know, words matter. And these kids are being told who they are, really not who they are, but they're going to grow up believing that that's who they are. So, so your temptations come a lot from how you were brought up. But you, you, you don't get to choose, listen to the statement, you don't get to choose your temptation. So that means that you can never be self-righteous about somebody else's temptations. And so when you see somebody on drugs or you see somebody that, that's an alcoholic or you see somebody uh, that is struggling with same-sex attraction or pornography or overeating or all of that stuff, no, no matter where it originated, we can't look down our self-righteous noses at anybody else going through their temptation because we're facing our own. We, we face our own struggles. What we're facing, what they're facing is no less evil than what we're facing ourselves. So we don't have a right to say, my sin is okay, but yours is horrible. My sin's all right. It's, it's acceptable for me, but not yours. Yours is so nasty. You don't have a right to say, well, how in the world could anybody do something like that? We don't have that right. You understand, Satan knows your weaknesses. As a matter of fact, while you were asleep last night, he's designing and divining plans that uh, he's going to throw in your face. By the way, can I just say, if you haven't met the devil headlong in the last few days, you're probably going in the same direction that he's going. And, and, and so he, he's designing ways that he can tempt you in your life. So let, let me throw out a couple of questions that may help you. First of all, you need to ask yourself the question, uh, what am I, or when am I tempted the most? When, when is temptation, Mark and I were talking a little bit about this, and he and I agree that uh, mainly when we're tired is when we get and face the most temptations. Do you know when temptation hits me the most? Um, I, I, I'm like your pastor. I preach multiple times on Sunday morning, and uh, then, then I'm going to drive two or three hours on Sunday afternoon and preach somewhere on Sunday night. And, and, and Sunday night when I get home, uh, my wife just kind of slides me under the door. It, it's just that way. But, but, but you know, when I get that point, that's when the enemy comes at me the most. So ask yourself, when am I the most tempted? Second, where are you the most tempted? Are you the most tempted when you're at school? Are you the most tempted when you're at work? Are you the most tempted when you're sitting in front of your computer? So discover when that is and where that is. Then you ask yourself, who is around me when I am the most tempted? I, I dare say that some of you in this room today 
probably need to eradicate some of the people out of your life because they're presenting circumstances to you that really create an intense amount of temptation to come into your life. Somebody said, and I believe it to be true, uh, you can't soar with the eagles when you're running with the turkeys. Uh, it, it's just that way. Then, then, then what do I get in return if I yield to the temptations that come in my life? Because, you know, the Bible says that sin has its pleasure for a season. So there is some kind of return that happens when you give in to that temptation. So you got to figure out, all right, what, did, what do I get in return? Is it really worth what I'm going to experience if I get into that? And then finally, how do I feel right before uh, I experience that kind of temptation? Am I tired? Am I frustrated? Am I angry? Am I bored? How do I feel? So identify those areas of weakness in your life. Number two, arrange ahead of time what you're going to do and how you're going to react and the direction that you're going to take when the temptation comes. Listen to the Word of God in Proverbs 4. Ponder the, feet, ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Don't turn to the right or the left. Remove your foot from evil. Ponder the path of your feet. Look ahead just a little bit at where you're going and already make plans and decisions of how you're going to act when you get into a situation. Ladies and gentlemen, you can't wait until you get into the middle of the, the temptation to determine what you're going to do. Let's just say that some of you are having a date uh, uh, this afternoon or tonight, and, and you wind up in a situation. You better already have made plans of what you're going to do on that date if you get into that particular arena. Here's the deal. You're either going to be controlled by your glands or by your plans. You've got to decide ahead of time which it's going to be. All right? Plan ahead of time. Um, then number three, assess your heart. Assess your heart. Do you know that the heart is the symbol of our uh, inner self? It is the source, really, of all of our behavior. Psalm 24, verse 3 says, Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Now, what the word has just done there is that he has tied together the heart and the hand. What happens in here really evolves out here in our hands. Now, Matthew 15 says, but those things which proceed out of your mouth come from the heart. They defile a man, for out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts. Out of the heart proceeds murders. Out of the heart proceeds adulteries and fornications and thefts, false witness and blasphemies. These are the things which defile a person. Proverbs 4 says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of Life. So what the Word of God is really teaching us there is that temptation really doesn't begin out here. It really begins right there. And then when circumstances arise, those circumstances are like magnets that pull out what is already in here. So you've got to really guard your heart. If you're holding on anger and bitterness 
and unforgiveness and hostilities, or you're hanging on to worry or fear or envy, those kinds of things in your heart, the enemy then has the opportunity to just pull that out of you. Ephesians 4 says, don't give the devil a foothold. Don't let that stuff build up in you. Here's what the old enemy does now. He jumps up on your shoulder and he whispers in your ear and he says, you know what? You deserve to have a good time. You deserve to be loved. You deserve this or you deserve that. Anytime that you hear that kind of language coming into your heart and your mind, you got to figure out real quick, that's not really of God. Not of him at all. Number four, pretty easy, this fourth one. Ask God to help you. Isn't it amazing that God is usually our last resort rather than our first response? We usually come to the place that we exhaust all human effort with all of those good intentions, thinking that we can handle things before we ever turn to God. I love Matthew 6 when he says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That simple prayer freedom that just cries out, God, I need you to help me. And by the way, can I just tell you, sometimes a microwave prayer is all that you need. You know, when we thought, thinking about, when we're thinking about praying, we're thinking about those uh, prayers. Oh, 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 Lord God of the universe, thou who hast made all things. No. I just think about Simon Peter's prayer when he stepped out in a boat and got out in the middle of the storm and was walking toward Jesus and he got his eyes off of Jesus, got his eyes on his circumstances. What was the prayer that saved him? Lord, help me. You know, that's sometimes all that we really need. Lord, I'm with somebody right now that if I don't get delivered from them, I'm gonna mess up. So Lord, help me to get out of this situation. Lord, help me in the midst of this temptation that, that I am facing right now. I'm about to lose it here. Help me. Listen to the word. He says, call upon me in the day of your trouble, and I will deliver you, and you'll honor me. I will deliver. That's his promise. Hey, guys, listen. God is sympathetic with everything that you are facing in your life today. I don't know what that might be. But I can tell you that God understands it and he knows about it and he's sympathetic. You say, wait a minute, you, you know, I, I, uh, I'm tempted to lose my temper. From t- you mean to tell me that the Lord Jesus was tempted with anger? Absolutely, absolutely. You say, I'm facing some sexual temptations in my life. You say that Jesus understands what I'm going through? Absolutely, but the Bible says yet without sin. He was tempted in every fashion, in every fact of life, but he did not give in. He did not sin, but he understands what you're facing. He understands what you're going through and never sin. Number five, I love number five. I really do. You've probably noticed they all begin with an A. That just kind of help you remember. Alter your thinking. Alter your thinking. In other words, let's let your... Temptation. Let's let your mind be like the remote that is in your hand and you're just changing channels. That, that's what you've got to do in your mind when you're facing issues in your life. Just flip the channel. Get off 
of the channel that you are on. Here's a deal that I, I learned many years ago in my life and that I practice every day of my life. And it's the three R's. And I use it and, and, and powerfully in, in circumstances that I face as a pastor. The, the first R is to recognize, okay, this is a thought that I ought not to be having. This is a thought that I know did not originate with God. This is a thought right now that I know that if I let that play out in my mind long enough, uh, I'm going to mess up. So I recognize that it is a thought. Say recognize. The second R is reject. Once you realize, I've got some, by the, by the way, you cannot control what hits your mind, but you can control how long it stays there. So you, 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 somebody said it old years ago, and I'm sure your pastors probably said it, uh, you, you can't uh, stop a bird from flying over, but you can keep it from building a nest. So that, that's what we want to do. You recognize, okay, that's something that ought not to be there. I reject that thought in the name of Jesus. And, and so you recognize, and the next word is, re, say the word reject. Recognize, reject. And the third R, if you don't do the third R, you can recognize these bad thoughts and you can reject it all that you want to, but until you get to the point that you replace it, you're not gonna be an overcomer. So you replace it with something good and godly and healthy. I, I, I sing a lot. I like good gospel music, so I'll replace it with a gospel song of some sorts. I'll, I'll replace it with a passage of scripture. I'll think about my grandkids. I'll replace it with something that is good and godly and wholesome. Psalm 119 says, when I look at your commandments, I will praise you with uprightness of heart. In other words, <laughs> I get my eyes off what's going on around me. I get my thoughts off of what is seeking to bring me down and I start focusing in on the word of God. All of a sudden, then I'm gonna be upright. I'm gonna be a righteous person. Do you know that's exactly what Jesus did? When he came up out of the wilderness, Satan came, he said, you're hungry, you're tired. And, and so let, let's just take these rocks and let's, let, let, let's turn them into food for you. And, and, and what did Jesus do? He, he rejected the thought and he replaced it with the word of God. That method of replacement is what will help get you through. Second Corinthians 10, 15, uh, verse five says, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. In Romans 12, 21, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil with good. Fill your mind with something good. Alter your thinking. All right, number six. And may I say that this one is probably the most difficult because there's a pride element there and, and, and you really don't know who you can trust sometimes. But the, the sixth method I, I would help you to being able to overcome is acquire a spiritual friend. I have, I have five people in my life that know everything there is to know about me. They, they, they ask me the tough questions. I had lunch the other day with one of those men and he sat across the table from me and, and he knows some of those areas where the enemy comes to me and he says, how's this going in your life? Mike, how you doing here? Uh, Mike, last time we met, uh, we talked about this. How's that working now? And so they asked me those tough questions. The Bible says in, in, in Ecclesiastes 4, says two are better than one because together if one falls, then there's somebody there to help him up. 
But if somebody's alone and he falls into temptation, there's no one there to help him up. You can't do this on your own. You cannot make it by yourself. You say, well, big deal, preacher. Here you've come all the way from Charlotte, North Carolina, and I'm sitting here on an early Sunday morning service, and I'm listening to all of this stuff about temptation. I, I really didn't need that, Pastor, because uh, I'm not tempted. Liar, liar, pants on fire. <laughs> D don't you ever get to the point that you think that you can reach some level of spirituality in your life that you are beyond being tempted. As a matter of fact, may I say, I'm 73 years old. Now, I know that shocks you. I saw the utter amazement on your face when I said that. <laughs> and I thought, and by the way, I've been in ministry since 1971. I would have thought by now, I wouldn't be facing some of the garbage that I face. I thought by 73, I wouldn't be dealing. You know what, one of the things I'm figuring out as I'm walking with God in this last quarter of my life, um, headwinds are really strong. I ran track when I was uh, in high school, set uh, lots of uh, records and conference records. Matter of fact, they're still standing today. I graduated in 1967, and those records are still standing in, in uh, South Carolina, even right now. Uh, they closed the school right after I graduated, but I, I'm just, <laughs> just saying. Uh, but, but I ran track. I, I ran about three events. I, I ran the mile, I ran the 880, and then I had a third leg of the mile relay. And, and I found out that that last 100 yards, I don't know what it was, it just seemed like that the wind was always right in my face, you know? And I'm kind of like that now. The headwinds are there because the enemy would like nothing better than to bring me down at this stage in my ministry because everybody that I've touched along the way would be affected by that. Be careful, you senior adults, thinking that you're beyond temptation. You never get there. Pride goeth before a fall. So be very careful. And assuming that. I want to finish with one other passage of scripture, if I might. But by the way, I'm talking about acquiring a spiritual friend. You need somebody to talk to. Um, here, here's what I know. If men could confess their temptations to men, they would have a whole lot less sin to confess to God. And if women would confess their temptations to women they would have a whole lot less sin to confess to God. Look around the room for a minute. Somebody missing that used to be there? In a 12-month period of time, along with my grandson, five members of my family died of an overdose of fentanyl. 300 people a day die from an overdose of fentanyl. Are we not shutting the country down for that? I wonder how many of your friends are tempted 
What do you do about it? One of the most heartbreaking things that I watched as a grandpa, when my 14-year-old grandson started struggling, I watched as a bunch of the kids in our Christian school kind of held him off at a distance. I watched some of my own family hold him off at arm's length, thinking that they're better. Do you know how unscriptural that that is? Galatians 6 says this, Brethren, if any man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, don't write them off, don't hold them off to arm's length, don't push them aside, don't neglect them, ye which are spiritual, restore. Well, you want a, a great Bible study? Just go study out that word restore. It's a medical term, like mending a broken arm. It's a nautical term too, that, that, that if you're a sailor and, and the nets get a breach in it, you, you, you actually go and you mend that net so that it can be useful again. Ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. Don't look down your self-righteous noses, but do it in a spirit. Spirit of meekness. I'll never forget in the 1980s when God taught me that. And I've been in the restoration business all these years. And he literally, the Holy Spirit said, if you don't go to restore that pastor, you're going to fall. I mean, that's just how I interpreted the passage. Today, that pastor is preaching to 25,000 people at a time. And thousands of people are coming to faith in him. And so I go to God and I say, okay, God, I couldn't stop him. And I'm angry that my prayers weren't answered like I wanted them to be answered. But your word says in Romans 8, 28, that all things work together for good. This is not a good thing. But you said it would work together with other stuff and you would bring good from it. So here I am now, Lord, I'm gonna, they can get what I wanted. So I'm now in this position, what you gonna do about it? My dad was a drunk. My mom and dad abandoned me when I was six. They abandoned me again when I was 11. I was the president of my senior class. We went on a senior class trip. I paid for it myself, had my first full-time job when I was 14, had my driver's license when I was 14. I got back off my senior trip. By the way, they didn't even come to my graduation. <laughs> I got back off my senior trip and I walked up onto the porch of my house and it was completely empty and chained shut once again. I know what it's like to grow up in, a, in an addict's home. The shame and the guilt, the loneliness. I never had a friend come and spend the night with me because I was ashamed of my daddy. I was afraid of what he might do. I know what it's like. I couldn't salvage my grandson, but I said, okay, God, what do you want me to do? Children of addicted parents are two to three times as likely to grow up to become addicts themselves. Taking my own personal experience with what's happening in the country today, I said, okay, God, 
I'm going to pour my life into these little kids like I saw getting off the elevator a little while ago. 12 and under. We've started Cameron's House of Hope. The first thing that happens when mom and dad abandon their kids or get put in prison or they get into the system, one of the first things that happens is their education goes. And so we brought tutors in to help them stay on point educationally. We make sure they got enough food to eat. We got, make sure they got adequate clothes to wear so that when they go to school, they're not bullied by the other kids because of the way that they appear. I have a full-time counselor that pours into them. You know, one of the most beautiful things though, you know what, this may surprise some of you. We have a Christian school of about 1,600 students and these older teenagers come over to Cameron's house and they just hang out with these little kids and love on them and value them. It's amazing to see what God's doing through that. We're watching kids transformed. God truly is a God of his word. He did take a bad thing and he's bringing beauty out of it. He's taking the ashes and is producing beauty. He can do that for you. His word says, I will not allow temptation, whatever that temptation may be, to be so strong that it would overtake you and overwhelm you. And he says, if you'll just look, I'll make a way out for you. I'll provide an escape route for you. Just trust me. Would you bow with me and let's pray together? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I'd ask that nobody be looking except me for just a minute and the Lord. How many of you would slip your hand up right now and say, you know what, Pastor? Um, I can go back to a time in my life that I turned away from sin and I placed my faith and my trust in Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. And I know where I was when that happened and my life has never been the same since. I remember where I was the day that God saved my soul and changed my life. Would you hold your hand up good and high right now all over the building? Just say, I, I, I know exactly where I was the day that Jesus saved me and changed me. Hold it up good and high. Just leave it up for a minute. Just leave it up. Leave it up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hands are down. You know, if you couldn't raise your hand, you need a place, and it can be right here. You need a time, and it can be right now. And if you're willing to turn away from sin and place your faith in Jesus and trust him as your Savior, I want you to pray something like this with me. You've got to understand that you can't go to heaven on my prayer, and this prayer can't save you. Only Jesus Christ can save your life and change you. But if you will pray and seek him, he says, I will forgive your sin. So would you pray something like this with me and really mean it? You can pray it out loud or you can pray it in the confines of your own heart. But would you pray, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus died on a cross for my sin. I believe that he rose from the dead on that third day. I know that my sin has separated me from you. Please forgive me of all my sin. I receive you into my heart and into my life. 
And with your help, I'll live for you the rest of my life. Thank you for hearing me pray. Thank you for forgiving my sin. Thank you for coming into my heart. Thank you for saving me. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I give you my word. I'll not embarrass you, not come back to where you are, won't call attention to you in any way. But if you prayed that prayer just then as I prayed it and you really meant it with all of your heart, I want you to lift your hand good and high so that I can pray for you. Hands going up all over this building. Dozens and dozens of people prayed to receive Jesus right then. All of Just keep it up. Just keep it up. Just keep it up for a minute. Over here on my right, your left. Yes. Thank you. Dozens of people in the room. Thank you so very much. Father, I pray for these. Seal this decision in their heart. Put a hedge of protection around them and keep them safe. And God, I just pray that you would prosper them immensely. Heads still bowed, eyes are still closed. How many of you would simply say, Mike, I'm facing some real temptation in my life. And it, it could be various kinds of directions. I understand that. But how many of you would say, Mike, I'm, I'm facing and have been facing for a while. And I'm in that cycle where I give in and, and, and ask God to forgive me and feel guilty all about it and then I make all these good intentions. And, and Mike, I just need God to help deliver me from these temptations that I'm in. Would, would you hold your hand up and say, Mike, when you go back to Charlotte, would you pray for me? Would, would you just hold your hand up? Mike, I'm facing these temptations in my life. Oh, just keep it up a minute until I can just scan. You know, hands all over the building, all over the building. Bless your hearts. Father, would you illuminate this passage in 1 Corinthians 10 to them? so that they could claim that passage and look for that escape route. And God, just trust the fact that you're a God of your word and that you will deliver them from those temptations. Set them free. Uh, God, I pray that their feet and their path, they would determine way ahead of time what they're going to do before they ever get into that temptation. And then when they get there, God, that they would already know how they're going to do it. And they'll look for that avenue. They'll look for that route of escape so that they do not have to be overcome. I thank you for the dozens of people that have been set free from the power of sin in this room today. May Jesus be glorified. May he be honored through all of what your Holy Spirit has done. I pray it now in Jesus' name and for his sake. Would you put your hands together and give God glory and praise this morning? Thank you, Michael. Real quickly, if you just pray with Mike, whether you're watching here on the, in one of the auditoriums, if you're watching online, watching on television, we have a gift for you. You can have it today and don't leave without it. You can go to any info center and just say, I pray with Mike. And they'll, they'll give it to you, and you can, you can t take it with you today and begin. By the way, I didn't share this earlier, but uh, a few years ago, I had the opportunity of preaching Mike's 35th anniversary at, uh, at, at First Church in Indian Trail in Charlotte. Next year is Mike's 40th anniversary at that church. So would you just let him know how much you appreciate him being here today? And congratulate him and Kathy. 
Love you guys. We start a brand new series next week. Three secrets that blessed people know. We're going to start it all next weekend. Starts on Saturday evening and then throughout the weekend. May God bless you. Have a wonderful week and we'll see you next weekend. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in Wichita, the surrounding area, we'd love for you to engage with us in one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our incredible kids and student environments, visit us at newspring.org. One more time, newspring.org.